Welcome to another episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast, a movie podcast where we spread the good word about cinema. I am your host, Jack, and with me today is returning guest, Melissa. Hello, I'm happy to be here. I am happy to have you back, and I am so glad that the movie we are discussing today is the 2019 film Uncut Gems, directed by the Safdie brothers, Josh and Benny, and described by Google as, a charismatic jeweler makes a high-stakes bet that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. In a precarious high-wire act, he must balance business, family, and adversaries on all sides in pursuit of the ultimate win. Yes, all true. All true indeed. So, Melissa, what is your background with this, which I'm sure is very similar to mine, as most backgrounds are? (laughs) Yeah, I think I saw the trailer for this when I went to theaters to see The Lighthouse, and I was taken by the visual design of it. I liked the logo. I liked the the intense close-up of a bejeweled Furby with its eyes sliding back and forth, and I Mm -hmm. was intrigued by... A, a tale of schemes gone wrong that normally entertains me <laughs> just to watch like business dealings go up in smoke is a, a narrative I can often take to. I like that better than like personal relationships going up in smoke. I completely agree with you. Relationship drama is my least favorite subgenre, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same background. I think You might have seen the trailer when you saw The Lighthouse, but I know that we did also see it when we saw Knives Out, and we both screamed at the Furby shot in the theater. (laughs) Like a delighted scream. I screamed in love. (laughs) That's my favorite kind of scream, is the delighted scream. Like, I don't know what else to do with this emotion. I'm just going to scream about it. It's like being on a roller coaster, yeah. Maybe that's why I like it so much. But yeah, I, um, I'm i always intrigued by comedians doing prestigious yes. drama performances. So I was very intrigued to see what Adam Sandler did in this because, I mean, he's done movies like this in the past to an extent, but previously establishing not a huge fan of relationship drama spanglish has a lot of that so even though he's good in it Mm. not a fun watch by any means Uh, (laughs) all bad yeah yeah and uh yeah then i watched it for the first time around this time last year we watched it together texting each other and pressing play (laughs) at the same time on our respective tvs It's another movie that's really grown on me. I liked the style the first time I saw it, but uh, I have to say every time I watch it, I think I like it more. Yeah, I can see that. It is a movie I'm always excited to watch again. Mm -hmm. And I, the reputation of this movie after it came out was how stressful it was. (laughs) And when we did watch it, and I think I agreed to it because I'm like, well, we're already in a pandemic. Like my stress levels are completely different. Like, I can't feel harrowed if I've already, like, been harrowed, you know? Same so I, like, here. I yeah. took a swing on a lot of d- darker movies than I normally would have. Same here. And I ended up having such a great time watching this. 
I like barely felt the stress at all. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'd been overhyped for, for what a tense experience it was going to be. And it all just evened out for me. Did you feel like that? Yeah. And I will say that the way that it's marketed, I think the trailer itself lends you to believe that there would be way more stress involved, especially mm. like I remember there's a part where you overhear Adam Sandler on the phone. This isn't really a spoiler. If you've seen the trailer, he's like saying to his wife, like, get the kids out of the house. Like, it sounds like yeah. way more stressful than it is in that moment when he's actually saying it in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't very stressed by it either. I will say that another movie that the Safdie brothers have directed, Good Time, that is way more stressful than this. So mm -hmm. if you want to watch a stressful, weird, chaotic <laughs> movie, by all means, watch that one. But yeah, this one <laughs> maybe really I do. pales in comparison, I would say, in terms of stress level, for sure. Yeah, it's such a strange movie, and it feels sort of detached, like... <laughs> Yeah. The movie starts with like we see the like the pit where they mined this opal that the titular uncut gym that Adam Sandler's trying to buy. And then we go through the opal. <laughs> like we're watching a science documentary. And then it, it the first bit part where we see Adam Sandler, like he's getting a colonoscopy. Like it's the, the whole premise feels very absurd. It does not start the way you would think this movie would start having seen the trailer. Uh, yeah, it let me feel so removed from what was going on. It felt so impersonal but in like a good way like oh I'm not right there in Howard Ratner's head which is great I like where I am like watching this from above yeah it does balance an interesting line between like a Shakespearean or Greek tragedy and like a slice of life yeah. anime like it's somewhere <laughs> in between there. like yes. slightly uh, a few shades away from being king of the hill at times yes I think another thing that helps the tone for me a lot is that it is the story of this one man and it's so insular and it's not a tale of like gambling at large. Like it doesn't seem yeah. to be like about societal ills. It's like, here's one specific man who's screwing up and you're just going to watch him. I'm like, okay, I can zero in on one specific screw up. That's good for me. Yeah. And I think because you see like how poor of decisions he's making it's a little bit easier to deal with the consequences because it's like sir you mm. just did that to yourself like you had so many outs that you could have taken <laughs> at any point and you just kept digging yourself deeper and deeper into this hole like it's a little bit easier to step back and not be emotionally affected by it yeah and you're not watching a fall from grace like he's in a hole at the beginning of the movie as soon as you meet his wife, his wife already knows that he has this mistress and she already hates him and she's already going to divorce him. Mm -hmm. So that really lowers the stakes for the family life. And you're able to just watch you know, the series of mishaps happen without uh, feeling too much pain about it. Because it's like, well, this is all a, a preposterous series of events. But emotionally, we're not super different from where we were when everything started. For sure. Yeah, there's not too many, like, sad emotional scenes between characters. Like, even when he's, I don't know if this is a spoiler technically or mm -hmm. not, so I'll just put up the little 
spoilers if you haven't seen Uncut Gems yet, but even when he's having that mm-hmm. talk with his wife, like, let's give this another shot. I know I messed up and everything. And she just kind of mm-hmm. laughs in his face. Like, it's not yeah. even like a really tense argument or anything. <laughs> it's a bluff. You can tell it's a bluff because you, the audience, just saw him break up with Julia and so you know that's why he's going back to his wife like he needs somebody in his life so yeah you you know exactly why he's doing it and it is insincere so for her to just laugh it off it's like yes that's that's us too this is almost comical it is almost comical in a way (laughs) I guess we kind of went into overall thoughts so I will just ask you do you have any other overall thoughts about this movie i would like to tell an audience member who like hasn't seen the movie it's set in 2012 which i did not know going in maybe if i would have known something about the basketball world and where kevin garnett was in his career i could have surmised that from seeing things in the trailer but that was also a delightful surprise that it's like minorly a period film only in that they're talking about contemporary sports and he has an older model phone. Yeah, and I kind of appreciated not knowing anything about sports when watching this movie because I don't know how those games turn out. It's a surprise to me. (laughs) (laughs) I also really appreciate how this movie has already cemented its status in like film twitter and meme culture good that we keep seeing this is how i win appear for (laughs) everyday (laughs) life situations or very intense Mm -hmm. situations there were like uncut gem memes when the snyder cut was released where people were just listing off all of these things that they wanted (laughs) as if it's adam sandler yeah i want aquaman to parlay Uh I wish I remembered the rest of what he says. All I remember is that he wants something to parlay, whatever that verb means. Yeah, I I wish that I knew what a parlay is. I hear my dad say the same thing all the time. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be involved in this level of, this highly complex level of sports betting beyond just like, I'll give you 20 bucks if the Yankees win. Like, I don't want to be involved in it, but I do wish I understood how it works. Yeah. And I think that the movie does a good job of even if you don't understand it, like I certainly did not, breaking it down to where you understand, Mm -hmm. oh, he owes this person this thing, but this person this other thing. Yes. But he kind of owes both of them this thing. And (laughs) yeah, it makes it easy to kind of follow what's going on and who is owed what to an extent. Mm -hmm. With that, would you like to go into full spoilers? Sure. Okay. So we are entering the... Spoiler diamond. (laughs) We're inside the opal now. We are inside the opal. Oh, goodness. I scrolled through IMDb trivia a few weeks ago. Me too. Okay, good. And an interesting (laughs) note that I made is the first shot we see of Howard is inside his colon, but the last shot is inside his skull. Wow. we literally get inside his mind yeah (laughs) from like a very technical standpoint yeah yes i love that framing device of the weird body wars zoom throughs of these of these natural materials that is one thing that really makes this movie for me is that we have like this weird synthesizer heavy score that also kind of sounds like a chorus at the beginning 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> where like there's just kind of like this chanting or hold on on the background. <laughs> it's so dreamy. Mm-hmm. That's what works for me about this movie. Like none of it feels real, so I can't get super tense about it. Yeah, and even little details like his daughter's in a play. And he's at the play and those guys followed him there and they're just kind of sitting in the back and then they're chasing each other throughout the school and throughout like (laughs) backstage. And I love the variety of chaos that this movie gets up to. It is extremely chaotic, which is what I love about it. But it's not just like like I think in the trailer, you see those goons like hanging him out of the window, which you've seen in. Other movies where a guy gets into bad dealings with goons. But in this movie, right, they, they follow him to his daughter's high school play. They sneak into the play like they're back there watching whatever this is. They get him out into the parking lot and then they, they lock him in his trunk. But like they take all of his clothes off first. Not in like any sort of a sexual way. It's like to further humiliate you, you're also going to be nude in the trunk of your car. But like he's got his fo- like I think he's still got his phone in his hand like when they do this to him and he's got his phone and he calls his wife and his wife like runs out of the gym to get unlock him from the car and he doesn't tell her what's going on. He's just like, "I went out for some air, honey, and I I lost my keys. Can you come out here." And she <laughs> like unlocks the car and you see him just like <laughs> exit from the trunk like, "It's okay. I'm all right. Go back inside. It's fine. It's fine. How's the play? It's okay." And then, like, shortly after that, then he goes to a weekend concert. Well, not a weekend concert. A concert of the weekend. Yeah! A musician. <laughs> I liked that a lot. I'm so happy it is, like, a guy. And they didn't, like, make up some rapper or something. Any sort of musical group. It's, like, a guy I know. I'm familiar with and that I like know his name and I've seen his face and I've heard like three of his songs but I know nothing about him The Weeknd is basically like a blank slate for me to project this movie upon yeah I think that he was probably the perfect fit for the weird dreamy chaos that's going on in this movie like they really chose their musician well yeah this movie's very well cast yeah which um something that I found really interesting is that Julia, the actress who plays her, Julia Mm -hmm. Fox, this was her first role, which I was very surprised by. She's the star of the movie for me. I like Julia a lot. I I like how much agency she has. Like, she's making a lot of bad decisions, but it's always clear that those are her decisions that she is making. Like, Howard doesn't really have anything over her. Like, when you look at it on paper, he's older than her. He's her boss. She works at this jewelry store that he owns. Like, on paper, it seems much more manipulative than it would be. When you actually watch them, it's like, you're kind of on the same page with each other. Mm-hmm. I kind of do wish, well, I understand why the movie ends in the spot that it ends, but I would like to see what she did after the fact that she got all of that money for him because, mm. whoops, he's dead. What are you going to yeah. do with all of this money now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the victor, at the person who truly wins at the end of the movie is Julia. 
I mean, her this man she loved has died. This man who she seemed to legitimately love, like that wasn't just a sexual thing between them. It wasn't just like he was giving her money in this cool apartment to stay in. For inexplicable reasons, she does love him. <laughs> and that I you empathize with that. Like you want them to be together, sort of, because when she loves him, she loves him so sincerely. <laughs> as perplexed as you are, you're like, if that's what you want and you want it that bad, okay. I, I hope you and Howard have a great life together. I think what articulates that the best is the scene where he's just having a complete meltdown in his office. Like he's been beaten up. Yes. He has like pieces of toilet paper stuffed up his nose to stop the bleeding. And they're like kind of not talking at the moment. She walks in and she like pulls down her shirt and shows that she or not her shirt her skirt what am I saying she pulls down her shirt that would just mm-hmm. cover it up but she pulls down <laughs> her skirt and shows that she got Howie tattooed he's like oh my god why did you do that <laughs> like they're both these people who make such bad decisions and they will call each other out on bad decisions yeah they kind of keep each other in check in a way yeah and, like, join each other for other bad decisions. Like, she completely goes along with this giant betting scheme he has at the end of the movie, which is so complicated. Like, he hires a helicopter to fly yes. her to some casino and, like, gives her a big bag of money and writes down all of these directions that she's supposed to read to the bet taker and all these things she has to do. Yeah, the fact that the scheme involved a helicopter. Like, that's so much to ask her to do, but she goes along with it happily. She's proud of him for inventing this scheme. Yeah. Oh, goodness. And then to top it all off, we end with this wonderful end credits song. It sounds like a, a song from an AMV. I, I could not believe it. It's this like, you'd hear it in a Dance Dance Revolution game. It's this very high-pitched sort of dancey, poppy yes. song. Yeah, like in my mind, I can imagine which arrow I would be stepping on with my foot as yes. I'd be dancing to it. I love it. <laughs> what a wild time from start to finish. Another one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when... Like a million things are happening at the jewelry shop at once. And one of them is that Damari is upset that like he has these watches. I forget if they're real watches or counterfeit watches, but like Howard is holding them for him in his store. And like Damari goes there and Howard sold some of them and he's so upset. And like Howard's distracted. He's like on the phone with two other people. Damari just picks up some Uh drink, some red drink. I don't know what it is. And he pours it into the fish tank. And everybody's screaming like Howard's so concerned about these fish, which you have not seen him interact with up until that point. But this man has at least enough humanity that he's like, you don't do that to a fish that will hurt the fish he's yelling at his employees like get like a bag get a cup of water and then demarge walks out yeah and then we don't really see him again until the very end yeah (laughs) i don't know what he does with his life after that yeah what a way to exit though like even if he wouldn't have shown up for just a split second at the very end when they kind of show the montage of all Mm. the living characters and what they're doing at that moment yes I would have been okay with that being the last time we saw him. Like, he just dumps <laughs> the soda or whatever that drink is, then leaves. Never comes back. Mm-hmm. 
What a moment. I'm so, I, I've never seen anybody pour anything into a fish tank. If there's a fish tank, normally it's like this will get shot. It will spill all over the floor. Like that's the mm-hmm. Chekhov's gun that you're expecting. But for somebody to just upend like a bottle of Palm Wonderful juice or something into the fish tank is entirely new. Yes, I would love to see the Safdie brothers blocking certain scenes. Like, what? How did you think of yeah. this? Did you suggest the actors to improvise this? Is this a thought of your own? How did you figure out this would work? But it it is magical chaos, like you have said before. <laughs> right. It, you're right about the magic part. Like, the opal... Seems like it could have legitimately had magical properties. Like Howard's so taken with it. Kevin Garnett is so taken with it. Kevin Garnett stares at it like he's bonded with it. (laughs) He's like, this is my totem. This is my lucky item. I need this with me. This brings me good luck. Yeah. In a way, it almost kind of reminds me of The Rock and Parasite. Yeah. Like just a stone that someone is so fixated on and they kind of tie all of this meaning to it and at any mm-hmm. moment you would expect it would have some kind of like twist where there would be like magical powers that this stone possesses but it, it doesn't <laughs> that we know of maybe it does yeah <laughs> i would have bought that from this movie that it turned out that the rock was literally magic <laughs> it's not that yeah. much weirder than anything we've already seen <laughs> I think the most stressful scene for me in the movie is the auction scene because Howard like lent the stone to Kevin Garnett. He didn't get it back in time. Like he brings it to them like 24 hours. He brings it to the auction house like 24 hours before the actual auction and they seriously value it lower than what he was expecting. And they're like, well, we didn't have time to like run full tests on it or anything. Like we got the best estimate we could in that time. And that is what we think it's valued at. He's like, no, I've had these Mm -hmm. other people look at it. And they said this, that one stresses me out the most, I think, because it's so concrete. Like you're watching it happen right in front of you, that auction. And Howard's already been in such a hole at the beginning of the movie with so many other things. But this one, it's like, if you made a different decision, this would have played out very differently. And I can't say the same for all these other decisions that he makes. Like, if you didn't mm-hmm. do this wheeling and dealing, you would have done another wheeling and dealing. And you would have wound up in, also naked in the drunk of your car, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but because he's like, yes, I'll lend the stone to this man. That screws him up. It's like there's a direct tangible line. You, you, If you made the exact opposite decision, you would not be here. We can prove that one. That one was rough. It was kind of funny, though, when he tries taking out all of the little pieces of paper in each book. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to get, like, the... <laughs> the administrative staff at mm-hmm. the auction house to help him and like he insists to speak to their boss on the phone and he like gets angry and hangs up on her and like one of the assistants calls her back and he's like are you talking to her again and she's like oh yeah but uh, about something else you know i have a different question and as soon as lady picks up she's like and what is this rock really really valued at and he tries to grab the phone away from her again yeah it once again kind of shows that balancing act between tense drama but also very comedic at the same time (laughs) yeah like he gets beat up in a fountain like there's this amazing 
needle drop in this movie so briefly where like he's leaving his like father-in-law's house where they've just had a Passover dinner and he's like got it set in him like he's got some purpose like he's going to go do something to make his life better and they start playing Billy Joel's The Stranger yes it's transcendent it's so great but then that scene is over so quickly and then it's him pulling up to the apartment building and his son is like can i follow you inside i have to poop (laughs) he's like great now i have to drag this boy with me i don't want him to go to my apartment because that's julia's apartment so i have to get one of my neighbors to take him and then his neighbor is the dad from good Times. The sitcom. Oh yeah, no kidding. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he was like in Coming to America. Like he, like it's that man. Also, like the weekend and like Kevin Garnett. There's this guy, <laughs> this minor celebrity playing himself, inexplicably mixed among all of this other nonsense. Yeah. <clears throat> and even scenes like that. I mean, like you could see how they wouldn't be necessary, but they're just kind of fun to throw in there. We didn't need a scene of him knocking on all of these neighbors' doors asking if yeah. his kid can use the bathroom, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like eat like this guy gets waylaid by by crimes, by relationship troubles, by bad business dealings, by things like the the security system at his jewelry store not working properly but also the one that his kids like i have to use the bathroom Mm -hmm. (laughs) like such a mundane thing that would waylay any dad he's not he's not invulnerable it must also happen to him yes oh and something that ends up kind of being a huge uh plot point towards the end of the movie is the fact that the door sometimes won't work where he's trying to buzz in yeah customers and you have mm-hmm. to see him like get out these tools and kind of finagle it open and keep it open mm-hmm. and ends up playing kind of a big role in the final climactic scene but I like how this movie uses its space like everything is geographically like so close to each other like it's not just that he knows in general these guys are after him like no they're right behind him like they're in the building with him they're always physically right there he's so many immediate (laughs) physical adversaries to deal with yeah yeah and him like those guys locked in like the antechamber and he's like wandering around the the jewelry store, pointing at the TV, shouting at them. And like there must be one out of the outside. Like there must be some passerby that could have noticed something is off here, but nobody has. Truly almost like a sitcom situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all these people are just always there. <laughs> yeah, you've been trapped in an elevator with your wacky neighbor. That's what this feels like. That's the climax of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you would like to touch on? Wow. I <laughs> I dig this movie a lot. When I think about this, I think about thunderstorms in that like sometimes there'll be a, like a loud crack of thunder you'll hear and you're like, ah, where did that come from? Why is it so loud? But then other times you're like, I need to calm down. I'm going to put on ambient rainstorm noises. <laughs> like this movie should not work on me, but it does. I could watch yeah. it over and over again. It's like so messy but it's a symphony how messy it is and it all evens out to just like one beautiful ride for me i love that and i totally agree with that (laughs) i wish that 
friend and brother of yours, Jams, felt the same <laughs> way. I felt so bad when we watched this and he was like, I don't like this. <laughs> I definitely see how it is not a movie for everybody. I'm bewildered. It's a movie for me. True. I probably would not have thought that I would feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I must ask you, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately? Lately, I have been watching Pin 15, which is a a Hulu original comedy series about these two. uh, It was made by these two adult comedians who these two women who go back and they're playing themselves at age 13 in the year 2000, starting middle school. So it's kind of like Wet Hot American Summer where you've got these clearly adults playing teenagers surrounded by actual teenagers. Yeah. Pen15 is a lot of fun. I've only seen a few episodes because I don't subscribe to Hulu every month. Mm-hmm. I'll like subscribe for a month, then not have it for a few months, then resubscribe. And every time I resubscribe, I watch at least one episode. Good. I haven't seen much of it, but I really enjoy what I've seen of it so far. Yeah, I like that concept. I like that they're not just playing teens. Like, they are playing themselves. Like, uh, Maya Erskine has her own mother playing her mother in the show. Yeah. It's so close to their own lives. It's such a silly concept, but it's so sincere also. That's what I really like about this show. Like, every emotion it has is turned up all the way when it's goofy it's very goofy but when like the girls are getting bullied at school like you feel it and it hurts it does yeah that's a great show though i i appreciate how genuine it is Mm-hmm. it's a treat mm-hmm. what have you been watching lately oh my goodness i have a lot to share yeah The first thing is a documentary that I think you would enjoy called The Last Blockbuster. (gasps) I love Blockbuster. Yeah, it's on Netflix. And I will say that it's kind of clunkily edited together. All right. It's one of those movies that some of the people they're interviewing, it's like, I'm happy to see this person, but... What do they have to do with Blockbuster? <laughs> and you slowly figure out, oh, this person was a former Blockbuster employee, or this person has some kind of tie with Blockbuster mm-hmm. in this way, but it just seems very random. Like, they don't put underneath the person's name, former Blockbuster oh. employee. I think that would have cleared it up for me a little bit, but I did really enjoy learning about the lack of... Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, of all places. Wow. So uh, <laughs> it's worth checking out for sure. Nice. I, I will have to remember to go and look at that. If something is not on, on the immediate screen when I first click on Netflix, I forget that it's there. Yeah, I had to do some digging to find it, unfortunately. I think it was on some podcast i don't even remember which one someone talked about it i'm like oh i'll have to look for that so is it was it on how did this get made is because i think paul Shear is in yes, it because he used to work at a blockbuster mm-hmm. okay yeah which if you didn't know that he used to work at a blockbuster yeah. it takes like an hour for him to even bring that up so <laughs> you think he's just an enthusiast exactly um 
another movie which I watched this a while ago, but because I mentioned Euphoria the last time that you were on here, I figured I would also bring up a movie directed by the same guy, Sam Levinson, called Malcolm and Marie, which is also on Netflix, and it stars John David Washington and Zendaya. Those are the only two people in the movie. Whoa, what two people to pick? (laughs) I know, and it has an interesting backstory because this movie was made during COVID in quarantine. They all lived in that house together and made this movie with like minimal crew, super strict guidelines. So it was an interesting experiment to see how a movie made under those conditions turned out. But it is a relationship drama that does not feel good. But I really enjoyed the style behind it. That's nice. Yeah. So if you want to check out the first 10 minutes and watch John David Washington dance around the living room while Zendaya is smoking outside, it's a fun vibe for the first 10 (laughs) minutes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just figured I would throw that out there. If you want to watch the first 10 minutes, that's kind of fun. Yeah, Cool. I have not heard of that movie. Yeah. I will say it has become a bit controversial. People either love it or hate it. Close personal friend of ours, David Sims, hated it. But close personal friend of ours, Sam Esmail, loved it. So... Yeah, not to disparage David, but like, I I trust Sam Esmail's taste. <laughs> what a strange taste maker he is. Yes. Yeah, I was kind of along the lines of his taste as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned this. Kyle mentioned this. Somebody mentioned that somebody asked Sam Esmail in an interview. Now that you're done with Mr. Robot, like, is there any other contemporary TV show you'd love to try writing an episode for? And he said Pin 15, which is yes. a weirdly good match. Because that show is like Mr. Robot in that it's pretty down to earth, but has this undercurrent of just absurdity to everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so much pure emotion, whether it's good yeah. or bad, you feel everything but you don't mm-hmm. feel like weighted down by it for the most part. Yeah. A few other things I watched a lot lately that I'm like, I should recommend these. Good. I've been watching a lot of Dua Lipa music videos. Oh. And they're a lot of fun. I've only seen the ones that she made for her future nostalgia album, but they're so aesthetically pleasing. I think you would love them. And they're all very different from one nice. another, but still lots of fun to watch. So, yeah. That's cool. I appreciate the recommendation. My roommate and I keep saying that we should have a music video night. Yes. For times when we want to hang out and like watch something, but we don't have the time or energy for an entire movie. Yeah. I would highly recommend those for sure. Okay. And one last thing that I wanted to mention. I just watched this Sunday night. We're recording on Tuesday, so a few (laughs) nights ago. Fresh. Yeah, it is fresh. I watched the Paul Thomas Anderson film Boogie Nights. Oh, I've been meaning to see Boogie Nights since I was old enough to see Boogie Nights. Yes. I will say that I'm 
slightly embarrassed by how much I liked this. It's kind of like a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street. I probably shouldn't have liked this as much as I did, but I do, and I just have to live with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those are both movies regarded as being very well made, regardless of how agreeable the subject matter is. Yeah. I will say that it does have a turning point. Like, the first hour or so is really fun for the most part and then it definitely becomes more serious and just gets more and more serious and stressful so okay if I ever rewatched it I would just rewatch like the first hour but the first hour <laughs> they're just hanging out by a pool there's lots of 70s music playing they're at a nightclub where there's disco it's a good time man that does sound like a party it's a good party for that point but yeah that's all that I have Good. A good series of recommendations. Thank you. At this time, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, you can listen to me podcast on the Whatnots Network. That's Whatnots spelled like astronauts. Every week I'm on a show called The Review Show, which is a book club style media discussion. Every week we talk about a different movie or TV season or couple volumes of a comic book or a season of an audio drama, lots of different stuff. Uh, I mentioned in my first appearance that we're watching every season of Halt and Catch Fire one season a month. Uh, I'm about to watch the final episode tonight. We're going to record our final episode about that this weekend. Wow. So yeah, what, what a bookend. That's been an amazing time. I recommend Halt and Catch Fire. It's such a that's also a very chaotic show. I think if you like Uncut Gems, you'll like Halt and Catch Fire. Because it's also a fairly down-to-earth, normal prison, uh, premise about like business dealings, a marriage maybe falling apart. But it's <laughs> it also has that undercurrent of absurdity, kind of like Mr. Robot, too. There's such a weird energy coming off of the show that really works on me. So I'm on that show every week. Uh, every week I'm on the Captain's Log, which is a nonsense off-topic chat show. We have a feed called the Reactor Core, which is for like brand new big blockbusters and hot streaming shows and things like that. We've been doing an episode every week for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Coming up soon, we're going to do an episode every week for Loki. Good. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities which is me and Jams talking about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. Yeah. Yeah, and you were on an episode of it. You talked with us about The Oogie Loves in The Big Balloon Adventure, a more recent movie from like 2012, 13. I don't know. Like it was such a flop. It barely exists. It was such a hard time finding the movie to watch, but it is on record. You can listen to us trying to explain Oogie Loves. Yes. I would highly recommend all of those podcasts. They're all a lot of fun to listen to, and they give you lots of good content throughout the week, whether you need something to listen on your drive to work, or I don't know if you're someone who just likes listening to podcasts while you're doing chores or cooking. I like to do all of the above and the whatnots, and Saturday Morning Obscurities will give you at least four hours of content, so it's all good. Thank you. My content is plentiful. Yes. Happy to have lots of content throughout the week. So thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for listening. Yes, of course. And you can follow the 
podcast at your FN filmcast on Twitter and send us an email friendly neighborhood filmcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Until the next one, folks. <laughs> Bye.